0: one-time-a-game I met Jason and Carrie we've become great friends and we've been playing and running role-playing games together for many years in the winter of 2013 I began writing a book it was called on a roll level up your RPG I had funded it through a Kickstarter campaign that was pretty successful and since then I've continued playing role-playing games Earlier this year, Jason suggested, you know, maybe we should do a gaming podcast. I wasn't so sure it was a good idea. I mean, sure, my alibi for doing the podcast was the book that I wrote, but I was worried about the actual process. If I played to lose, the podcast might end up being a huge wreck and I just didn't want to experience too much bleed from it. He pushed, and eventually Carrie joined him, and the two of them eventually won me over. So now, we're sitting in a room, preparing to record our second episode of the Honor Roll podcast. We've calibrated our experience to produce a truly transmedia product. I'm happy to say that the Honor Roll podcast is fully accessible, transformative, inclusive, Has Full Immersion, is a collaborative experience, and it's a Nordic podcast. And also, this episode is about buzzwords.
1: Alright, roll for initiative.
0: That helps you level up your role playing game.
2: Tabletop, LARP, MUSH, and everything in between.
1: We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game because
0: the only way to win at a role playing game is to is have fun. fun. Yep. Yeah. Ooh. I like the way we all said that together. Yes. It's very fancy. Very fancy. We well, did give us a signal. <laughs> <laughs> we are
2: your hosts. I am Ryan. The curmudgeon. I'm Carrie. She's the legend, and I'm Jason, the favorite <laughs> and best looking.
1: <laughs> oh, we get we get to add stuff now.
2: Uh, I'm always going to add stuff. Oh. Evidently, yes. Well, when we last, I also have a
0: cuter bra on, right? Oh, yeah. Than Ryan. When we last left our intrepid adventurers, <laughs> we were talking about first uh, the very first time first we game played yeah, last week. That was our 20th. inaugural podcast. So.
2: Uh, in that time, Jason, what have you been up to? Uh, I've continued to work on uh, Space LARP, which I will one day hopefully finish. <laughs> and uh, Space LARP is original. It's unique. Yes, it's original. You know, I've talked to a lot of people, and I love running other people's stuff, but almost everybody says that the only way to really be successful is to make your own thing. So that's what I want to do. I've been researching what it takes to write for the Storyteller's Vault 2, though. That's the the White Wolf currently Vampire uh, Vault because and that's that's awesome but boy what a cumbersome
0: process that is like the actual layout and design of those pieces
2: there's no clear instructions the problem I had was uh, twofold one I have zero experience with layout and that's something you basically have to do right. right so I've talked to a couple people to help me out with that and my my other issue was that the website is exactly it's just Through RPG. right that fuels it, and some of the links are broken, and they point back to the Dungeons and Dragons one, which which is fine because it's the same instructions, basically. Right. But it's as somebody be- who's never in- done anything like that before, it's a little confusing at times. Sure. Uh, so eventually I'd like to write something for that, uh, mostly to get practice in writing in general. Right. So you can write more better. So I can write more better. And I have a friend, Josh Heath, who has tons of stuff on there, and he's actually been fairly successful in selling them. So yeah, apparently, awesome. it works. Josh is great. Yeah, Josh is
1: great. Can I can I backtrack a second?
2: Sure. Is it about Josh's podcast? Gonna, no, it's
1: actually about your. Uh, were you going to call him space...
2: a LARP, a larpaneur? Larpaneur. No, but that's, that's a great term. That is a good term.
1: That's now a LARP. buzzword. Yeah, you're um, a Um No, I was just going to say every time you say space larp, I don't know why, but my brain thinks you're saying space opera. It just, yes. it, well, it is
2: feel- a space opera lore.
1: Right. That's the it's, idea. It, and it's just so like, I just keep going, I can't ever play in it because I can't sing. Oh,
2: <laughs> since when has singing been a requirement for being in musicals? I mean, I've heard so many musicals in which clearly look, I singing
1: part. I've got the fat lady part down. Uh, I don't have the singing
0: part. Since though. when has talent
2: been a prerequisite for
0: role playing? Oh,
1: oh, has talent me. been
2: a prerequisite for anything? Right? Be nice. Hey, hey, you know the internet has <laughs> taught me two things. Just because people out there do something better than you don't assume you can't be more successful than the other uh-huh. <laughs> and the other one is is that there's already plenty of garbage you can't hurt <laughs> by giving, by putting out more of it right uh, anyway so what have you been working on Carrie
1: um well i unfortunately all of my time has been gobbled up my uh my art studio i've been kicked out of uh, the uh, the organization that was uh, supporting us lost its funding, so I've had to move an entire art studio, um, which is also connected to where um, my game was run. So current your LARP. my LARP. So so your
0: LARP is home homeless. Yeah, my- and your art is homeless. Yes,
1: I have I have a homeless, which would be a terrible LARP, a homeless LARP.
2: I don't know. I'd play that. We used to play
1: under a bridge all the time. No, I just meant where everyone played, they were homeless. That would be terrible. I've read a oh. LARP about that.
2: It's actually really good. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole
2: LARP is you journaling about the experience.
1: Oh, that just sounds depressing. Oh, it's crazy depressing. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm good. Uh, oh, you want your LARPs to be fun. No, I, just, I just don't want to, at the end of my LARP, want to cry all the time. And I feel like <laughs> that would... And yet you me. ran werewolf. Yeah, but if No, you... you know what? And I you... once played... In a Wraith LARP. I was so depressed afterward. Yes. I like, I just went home and took a bath and cried in it. But isn't it was there terrible.
2: something to, like, sad experiences? Like, yes, well, like but, a sad but movie if it's, or a sad yeah, book? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's great to have that every once in a while. But if that's the only thing you get out of that LARP, that's fair. That's like, not, but, it's but there not, would not for me anyway, that's not therapeutic. That's not anything good. It's just depressing. But there would be
0: something else you would get out of it because if you cry at a LARP, you always get the XP. XP ah,
1: it. well okay. Fair. <laughs>
2: Never forget crying. So anyway, yelling.
1: I am a... right now I'm kinda just juggling my, my art stuff and big move. the big move and then trying to find a new place to have my game. Yeah, the, the my saddest life.
2: part about all that for me is the fact that not that you lost Workspace, but mm-hmm. that you lost gallery space because yeah. there were so many cool, interesting uh, people who were posting art there. Yeah, and it was cool to get to play in a place like that a couple of times a month. Right. Yeah.
1: But it's, we'll find something else eventually. We
2: always do. Yep. Because we get really lucky right at the last minute. That's yeah. Totally usually. Funny. Yeah. 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 Mm.
1: All right. So, what have you been doing, Ryan?
0: Um, I am. You know, you guys probably know this. I don't know if everyone listening does, but I'm working with my a good friend, Ashley. He and I are developing a tabletop game. You're, you're working on uh, Space LARP, and I'm working on Space Tabletop.
2: Uh, I, I love it, too.
0: <laughs> we, got to, we got to play, what, uh, two or three weeks ago? Yeah. It's really uh, cool. It is called The Gun Belt, and it is sort of a mishmash of cowboys and robots and dinosaurs instead of horses. Oh, I
2: love it. I love it. I like the uh, Magnet Punk. Right. Cowboy <laughs> Magnet Punk setting. That's yeah. great. And you know, it's a steampunk the, is done. Steampunk's a Magnet right. punk now.
0: Well, and one of the one of the sort of catches that we do with it is is it is a world without wheels because of the the magnet punk. Aspect everything levitates if it uh, needs to move. So remember, if you can (laughs) describe your game as something punk, it's done. Sold. Yep. Sold. Sold. (laughs) You know what I found is when I say cowboys... That's a buzzword. I found. (laughs) found, Yeah. I found when I say cowboys riding dinosaurs, people are in. Yeah. That's right. Really. You don't
1: even have to say space.
0: (laughs) Right. Why why isn't this already a cartoon? That's what I want to know. But the the game, you know, the game is is a lot a lot
2: more than just cowboys on. Dinosaurs, but we're excited about it. So I, I love yeah. the fact that it's very—it's uh, embracing the Western theme, but not hiding from the uh, the, the space aspect of sure. it. You know, you know, like sometimes things tend to go all the way one way or the other. It's it, it's interesting combination. I like right. it. Well, we're
0: struggling right now. You know, we were talking about the fact that you had gotten a play test with us a couple of weeks ago, and uh, from that play test there's a couple of elements that we're trying to, to work out. We've went from six attributes to four. Right. And and then that has sort of... Um, you, you had said something that's really stuck with us, which was you said you were you played an alien race and you had said uh, the only time you felt like you were actually playing an alien was when you made one specific role. Right. And uh, Well, I had a tail, and I got to use my tail to do something. Right. And so we're, we're kind of struggling to sort of, you know, how do we... How do we make you alien always? Right. Well, you
2: know... And I, I meant that as a criticism because I felt like the game it's was important. so close to being great. It's important, though. Because I, you know, I played D&D for years, and how often do you actually feel like an elf? You know, unless you're super into elves. Or how much do you right. actually feel like a dwarf? You're just getting a plus two bonus or what, right. whatever. So, anyway, so I guess
0: that's, that's kind of where where we are and what we're, we're up to. So yeah. uh, I suppose we should, you know, move to combat rounds. So this week's topic is buzzwords. Uh, right now, in particular in, in LARP and tabletop more than mush, uh, buzzwords are becoming a thing, a huge thing. And I'm, you know, I'm the curmudgeon, and one of the things that drives me nuts are buzzwords, uh, particularly because I am also, my, my day job is in public relations and marketing, and so buzzwords really frustrate me because buzzwords, well, more times than not, are kind of meaningless. But we accept them to mean things, right? Uh, and so, since buzzwords are sort of a thing in gaming right now, we're gonna we're gonna talk about about buzzwords.
2: I think we have a really different perspective because I think that while they they really are buzzwords, it LARP is LARP in particular and role playing in general has come to a place where finally people are trying to describe what's happening. Sure, and I think that's useful. I think that. You know, like anything, specific words can be overused, but at the same time, I'd like to know what kind of experience to expect, and if they say certain things, I have some idea. Right. Uh, well, let's just jump in. Um, so, I, this the first one. Where these
0: are these are in no order. So, is that order alphabetical? Nope. Okay. They are in, the first two are alphabetical. They are in no order. Okay. As I said, they are in no order. Okay. Wait. By by that do you, <laughs> you do, I, by, do You mean- by, when I say they are in no order, what I mean is they are in no order. Okay. All right. So there you go. So the first one, first one is uh, is alibi. So I, alibi is something that. I I've, is new to me. So, and, but Jason, you heard alibi. So, why don't you explain to us, you know, what the hell you're talking about when you say alibi? Right,
2: about a year <laughs> ago, uh, I was. I read a lot of articles about LARP, of course, uh, and I've been reading a lot more about Nordic LARP and freeform lately. And they have a lot of concepts that we actually accept, but we don't name them. This alibi is kind of the idea that you need an excuse to act in a certain way. Now. You go to a club and there's music playing and there's a dance floor. You've got an alibi to dance. But if you're out in the street dancing, well, people might think that's kind of weird. You might be too embarrassed to do it. And it's not saying that in either situation you're behaving right or wrong. It's, it's that it's making it more socially acceptable to do a certain behavior. You need an excuse. You need a reason why this is okay. And that's, that's kind of alibi. But, it, but isn't the – I mean it's a reason, Right. Yes, it's a reason and that reason can so be as simple as why setting. You just call it reason because it's more than that really. Uh, if I tell you, "Hey man, you can dance right now." Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I certainly won't because I'm not that kind of person. But you give me in the right setting, with the right music, and you know, like maybe Marty wants to dance. Yeah, maybe I'll dance a little bit, but other than that, no, never. But isn't you're playing in a larp the alibi? Well, that's the deal. It is the alibi. The more you create the place that makes people comfortable to act outside themselves, the more you're creating an alibi. Another word that they talk about is magic circle. Magic circle is this idea that when you're outside the circle, you behave normally. But once you're inside the circle, you've entered the area in which it's okay to be somebody else, and to do other things. You mean the game site? No, not the game site. <laughs> the mental space of the magic circle. Oh, the ma- So the magic circle's all in your head? It is. It is, like all of this stuff. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, like all of
2: this stuff. Well, all concepts are in your head. And LARPing requires you to be and act in ways that you normally don't. And you need to give people a reason why that's okay. There's a belief that by creating a sharp divide between now you're you and now you're your character is important and lets people behave more like their character. Some games do really stark contrasts. Like, we're going to have a ceremony now, and that ceremony begins game. That can be an in-game or out-of-game ceremony. Uh, Like most Poloarps I go to... It's very soft that transition. You're like, "Hey, game on!" But then people talk and get drinks and stuff. For well, like our larps, 10 or 15 we minutes, we always
0: we always do a pregame at our large.
2: We do a you pregame. Know,
0: hey, everybody, welcome. These are the new players. Um, these are the the rules for the site we're playing at. Don't right. touch the art on the walls because right. it's an art gallery. You know. Okay, game on. It's fast. It's short. But but it is a. I, you know, it is a transition. A ceremony, I suppose.
2: It, it, right. Uh, I love how you keep introducing new buzzwords to describe the buzzwords that you're buzzwording. <laughs> well, I mean, you can either call it a buzzword or you can call it uh, a term, a, you know, a term that people use to describe <laughs> so a specific advance. So they're just buzzwords then
1: because yeah. I don't, I've never heard alibi. Well, I've not heard the term alibi before, in mush, it happens all the time. People are like, hey, we've got a scene happening in the kitchen. And people are like, well, I don't know why I would be in the kitchen. Well, you could, you know, like someone else will post on the pub channel. Well, Gabrielle is making pie, so you'd smell that down the hallway. So there's a reason for you to come in because you smell that, something that, good. That
0: makes total sense. You know, and, and in, it, in a weird way, what you're saying makes alibi way more functional in as terminology
2: in a mush than it is.
0: Well, more sort of the same way.
2: Hey, we're gonna have the secret meeting over here. Uh, the secret meeting that all of you people need to go to. I'm giving you an excuse at a game to let you know that this is the cool thing you should go to. Though so, that's not exactly what alibi. So is. it's metagame. It can be, but yeah. no, it's not. That the the term that I've seen it used the most is less about positive or negative metagaming and more about uh, making that transition a a, a real thing between me out of game and me in game think about it like this how often have you been to a larp where you're supposed to pretend you're a vampire but it's like at i don't know a a mcdonald's or something you're you're playing in a place (laughs) that is
1: completely
2: inappropriate for the game and it's difficult to get in your character you know what i mean it's difficult to play because I have no reason... I'm having well, to pretend everything.
1: Alibi is also really great for new players.
2: Perhaps. What do, what do you mean by that? The, well, like,
1: you, you know, like, hey guys, does anyone have a reason? We, You know, like, let's hook this new player up with somebody else. Even in a tabletop. Let's table give copy. them an alibi let's, for their character. Let's give good. them a, a connection. Maybe. You know, like, yeah. it, this is kind of one of those words that seems like it could... Be used for a lot of be things. Be used for a lot of things. Well, but, and
0: it's almost... It's almost so flexible that it doesn't really have a clear definition.
2: Well, to be fair, this is something I've read a couple articles about, but I'm not in the Nordic community, so I can't speak as an absolute expert. Right. Now, you, t- you did tell me that it could be a bad thing. Definitely. Uh, sometimes people abuse the concept of, you know, I can play a bad guy, and they're they're mean about it. You know, they, they use... Game as an excuse to bully other players. I'm That's the play- simplest part. Look, I'm just
0: playing my character,
2: right. and we've all heard that. There was well, even a chapter in your book about it, wasn't it? there? Yeah, I was playing my character guy, yeah. and <laughs> and that guy can be as far as murdering other characters just because he gets off on running combat mechanics, and it could be as simple as I don't know stealing people's coins just for a laugh, right? And both of those things, those activities, in and of themselves, aren't necessarily detrimental to game. But if you're just doing it because the only time I get to be a badass is at game, then that's not necessarily great. Right. Okay, well, uh, let's move on to the next one then. What about bleed? Everybody talks about bleed.
1: Okay, I have to admit, the first time I heard the term bleed... I didn't realize it was a buzzword, right? And so I just heard someone saying, "I've got a lot of bleed going on," and I just kept thinking, "You're larping wrong.
0: <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if you're, you're bleeding, bleeding,
1: you are Maybe larping wrong."
0: Bleed is actually a conceptually bleed is something that's been around forever, right? Um, and but in America, it, especially in LARP, uh, like I, th- I think in I think tabletop bleed is not as strong, typically, because you spend a lot of time shoving Doritos in your
2: mouth uh, and being, you know, Ryan and Carrie and Jason. The greater division between how how immersed you are in the game definitely has a lot to say about how much bleed you can experience. Yes. Right? So bleed is the idea that in-character
0: feelings affect your out-of-character feelings and vice versa. Yes. Um, so the idea is, like, Carrie and I are playing two characters, and my character hates Carrie's character. It can make it difficult for me, Ryan, to hang out with Carrie and like her.
1: Or it could make it difficult for me because I feel like Ryan hates me.
0: Right, right. And ironically, as because uh, Carrie and I are spoiler alert, Carrie and I are married. Gross. Right? And so, sometimes, to each other, sometimes we actually <laughs> have to be we have to be careful. The opposite direction where we go. Okay, Carrie and I love one another, and we are married. And so we have to be very careful that our characters don't always end up uh, falling in love or being best friends because we like each other so much out of character. So Bleed is it bleed is a good thing in that it, it can help evoke emotion and it allows people to explore how they react to things. Uh, and it can also be used to involve other players. Um,
1: well, Bleed is also really awesome because... It, it can also help you like deal with real life stuff too.
2: Now I will say that a lot of people do pursue it
1: because they want to feel something again. It is cool. I think it like- it, can, it can be really powerful. Yes, but also it can be really powerful in a negative way. I I've larped before when I played Wraith, and. I went home and I cried. My character wanted to die. And, like, there were, like, moments where I was like, oh, this sucks. Everything is terrible. Well, different people
0: handle Bleed differently. Mm -hmm. And it can... And and some people handle it better than others. Yeah. Uh, some, Some people want it more than others. Before Bleed was the buzzword. Right. Back when it was just this undescribed... We didn't have a word for it. It was this thing that just we knew happened. Right? Um... It was, it was always negative. It was always, it always was drama inducing. Yes, definitely. Um, cause it made people, you know, I don't like your character, so I don't like you in, in real life. Yeah. Or, you know, um, and, and it, it resulted in people, you know, accusing people of cheating, you know, uh, oh, your character only knows that because your wife's character was in the room or, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, and then when it was a, became a buzzword, you know when suddenly there was this you know this is called bleed right suddenly it's this buzzword and now there are all these players who are like well i play to experience bleed i seek bleed out and and
2: suddenly bleed is this good thing so you feel like that there's a almost a component of gatekeeping that's come up yeah. where people people are like hey i play to to feel these emotions and you're holding me back or for not for checking on me too much, almost. Right. I myself have had weirdly bad experiences, both positive and negative bleed. There has been a community in the United States running uh, what we would... preform LARPs forever. And a lot of them are not unlike Nordic LARPs. And they deal with the same sorts of issues in similar ways. And if anything, some of them are ahead of uh, the the Nordic community. In my experience. Right. Though, like I said, I'm not... Directly involved with them, I do read a lot about them, and I have some friends involved in that community. Sure. So, playing to lose—that's kind of a buzzword right now. Uh, playing <laughs> to lose is this idea that having
0: uh, your character lose can result in a better, better role-playing experience. Um, it's kind of the idea is that that winning is always boring. Winning ends a story because you've won. There's no story, more. right? Yeah. And losing
2: typically begins a story.
1: Well, Absolutely.
2: You run a playing-to-lose game. You and Carrie both do. All those years of us playing Guru, the significant moments were never our victories. They were always our losses. Those were the defining moments of our characters.
1: I think there is... And I, I'm not saying good or bad. I just no. think I think there is a difference, though. Story-telling, pl- your game to lose.
2: Right. And playing to lose. Well, you have to lean into whatever the... The storytelling style and the playing style have to find a happy medium. Yeah. So if you're running a playing-to-lose game, mm-hmm. if you're trying to win, you're going to have a bad time. Right.
1: As a, as a player, pl- I play to lose all the time.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Like, I literally build my characters with the correct flaws that I should never get off the ground.
2: And you confront people you shouldn't.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And Because and, that's the fun, you know. Right.
2: You're not having a good time if you're not doing the thing.
1: Right. I think playing to lose is kin to the um, to the type of player that's like well what do you need me to do storyteller oh, I don't like that I hate uh, it
2: I, I, I want them to, to the, do
1: things yeah no, you I do things and I'll react yeah <laughs> I, I tend to do that in the sense of like well what do you need do you need me to include these players do you need me that's to, okay you know but, like you know like I can go in whatever direction you need me to go to help sure. with the story and all that and I realize that's as a storyteller that's super annoying. But it as can a be. player, like I, I, tend to, cause like I get so worried and wanting to help the game. Yes. When I'm playing, that I'm like, just point me in the right direction. You don't
2: believe in the invisible hand? It's just like economics. Yeah. If you <laughs> play for your character's best interest. No. I tell you, um, my problem with playing to lose is that too many people use it as like, well, you're not playing to lose. You wanted to become <sighs> prince, and you did. Yeah, like, no, you that's know, not okay either. It's, like people it creates do. this kind of, I'm better than you. Yeah. Because I did. I you I didn't play, lose as well as I, I
0: did. I play to lose, and no. you don't, and so I'm a better player than you. Well, you know what? Always losing kind of sucks. The,
2: the other <laughs> side of it is like, well, like, you know, we've talked about, sometimes it's fun, to, it's good to win sometimes. Right? Mm-hmm. I've found, and uh, tell me if you guys think this is true,
0: as a storyteller, I have found typically the players that adhere the most to this buzzword, who talk about how, oh, well, I always play to lose. There are always players who never play to lose. And when they do lose, they're the worst freaking losers.
2: I have seen people say things like, well, my character just, I mean, my character just won. You should be playing to lose. This it shouldn't bother you. Play to lose means if I win and you get mad about it, then you're not playing to lose. Yeah, no. I think a better word would be play to story. Yeah. What about accessibility? Well, I mean, I think accessibility is great. I
0: think it's an important word. Yes, definitely. It, unfor- okay, so before we get into accessibility, let me just say that accessibility is on this list because it's a buzzword. It
2: shouldn't be a buzzword. Right. It, it should, should just be a word. be a thing. Yeah. yeah. We should, by default, try to make every experience accessible. Here's an example. When picking a site for your game, be aware if there's stairs. I mean, it's simple, but if it's not handicap accessible, you've just said this person is not welcome here. Okay, what if you don't want people in wheelchairs at your (laughs) large? In that case, you have a great time because I'm never going to find out about your game (laughs) because I'm not going to go to it. (laughs) Uh, And I think there, and it kind of goes back to Bleed you should have opt out. Right. If a person is in an experience that they are not comfortable with, they should be able to leave without consequence. Right. That is very difficult in these heavily character versus character games like Vampire. For, sure. Because I can't say I want to be the prince, but then I do also don't want to be attacked. Fair. Right. You have to opt into being attacked if right. you want to be the prince. So the the thing that, that makes
0: me angry about this buzz, buzzword is... The, uh, is the fact that it's got to be a buzzword. I don't like the fact that, like, okay, we have to say, well, this, this game is accessible to to everyone. Well, uh, I don't think we should have to say that. If
2: anything, we should have to say, hey, guys, for these reasons... This game is not accessible. And and we're sorry, but, for example, there's this game involves a lot of running. So if you can't run, then right. we'll do our best to help you, it's what but, you, you but... You talk... You can't-
0: you had talked last week about the idea that that it's tough to have a boffer larp that is accessible to people who are in wheelchairs.
2: Yes, and yeah. you know I hate that, and I've you know I put a ton of thought into it because I have a good friend who was a boffer LARP for for a while and loved it, uh-huh. and then he, uh, through no fault of his own, he got confined to a wheelchair. Not that it matters whose fault it is, and he misses that, and the idea that maybe there's some way to make a larp that's accessible to people in wheelchairs is right. really cool. It's also incredibly hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I just... For me, it shouldn't be a buzzword. It should just be a thing we do. I I think the more common aspect of that is some games are extremely emotional. Right. And that's not necessarily the kind of stuff that we run usually. But some games are extremely emotional. And there are those people who cannot handle that. Right. And that's okay. But it's also okay to run that game. Right. You just have to tell people up front, hey you will experience bleed more than likely and if you have emotional problems that mean that you can't experience bleed here then don't don't come because that's what this is about though i think the vast majority of games should be accessible in some fashion even if it is hey i've got to opt out of this crazy emotional scene right. and leave
0: okay so here's one that here's a buzzword it is probably one of the Currently, most like the it's the most buzzy of buzzwords. Right. Would you say this is the one that you hate the most, uh, or absolutely. is it the next one? The ne- the next one, I think I hate a little more, but it's because of my career, not because of gaming. Oh. So, but this one, this one is transformative. So, what would you call a transformative? Again, transformative for me falls into that same darn category as accessible. Like transformative, it means the experience. Of this game will in some way transform you. So you think that every game Here's is transformative? Is, I've taken shits that have transformed me. <laughs> <laughs> to
2: be fair, those are like <laughs> hour long, and also everybody's had that I'm, experience.
0: It is. This is so. It is so trendy to say that this 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 game is tr- going to be transformative right? Well, you know what? The problem with it is it immediately says this game is better than other games you've played. Because this one (laughs) is is transformative. Transformative. And you know what? Transformative doesn't really mean anything. Because everything
2: is transformative. I disagree. And here's why. You just transformed me. I just transformed you. Because... This
1: podcast
2: is transformative. Oh. I hope so. The, The problem... That you have with it is that yes, the way that it's used as a buzzword is largely meaningless. But every time a game identifies themselves as transformative, you know you're going for a specific kind of experience. Do we? It's a tra- yeah. What have I mean, you read it's the, a, the, it's the a synopsis trans- of most of these games? It's a transformative experience because you're they're going to be trying to make you feel specific emotions in specific ways. And, you know, going in, hey, this is a thing where they're going to try to get me to, to, to bleed, usually. They're trying to get me to have very emotional experiences. They're trying to... Why can't they just say, this is a high-intensity game? I, I think that might be better, to say high-intensity. Or, or even immersive might be a better word.
1: I just think it's a silly-sounding word. It, yeah, it does. It just sounds like everyone should be saying it with a hoity-toity accent. Transformative. Ew, everyone for a transformative lot. But I've you know. seen
2: so many games that describe themselves as transformative where the people who went to it said, man, I had an experience.
0: I guess I feel like everything I do is transformative
2: maybe you're just crazy like you're a zen buddhist and you accept the entire world no, as it comes to I you I think that it. I just
0: think that we are all people made up of our experiences so every experience is every transformative every experience is transformative and so this is just, it's just meaningless
2: maybe we should run a really really bad LARP and advertise it as transformative because, because everybody who goes will quit LARP forever ever <laughs> save them all so like transformative yeah. you'll never play another game again they are like oh man right, this is gonna be, be awesome so good
1: and are gonna, gonna to play know. another game again all right, so yeah. the
0: other one. The other one that I really despise is transmedia. Now, as, as a PR person, what does that mean to you? Uh, well, as a PR person, transmedia doesn't mean anything. Uh, and we hear it in PR. A lot of transmedia mean, companies use it. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, what, you know what transmedia means? is it, it, Essentially, uh, it's supposed to mean that it's so big that it spills over into other
2: mediums. What if that's a deliberate choice as opposed to a size, like, hey, I'm going to publish this comic book and it's going to tie into this movie.
0: First of all, you can't say something is transmedia. Something becomes
2: transmedia. Does that make sense? But what if it's designed from the beginning? Like, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this. But
0: did it do it yet? If it's not done it yet, then it's not transmedia. And so that's even like, why this buzzword is so meaningless. Is because people come into it and they say, This is a transmedia product.
2: Well, is it? Well, has what it? about the uh, it? what was the television series on sci-fi that released and on the same day they released the uh, MMO, the Myriad? Remember it was a post apocalyptic setting there were the aliens. aliens? Yeah. Ah oh, man, what was that called? Anyway, day one, it's it's transmedia because it, you're playing it on an MMO and you're watching it on the television. Sure, but is your is your LARP
0: transmedia?
2: What if you have a LARP that has some sort of ARG uh, uh, or even the fact component. that people
1: play in over email?
2: That's right. Facebook makes Facebook. every LARP transmedia pr- yeah. practically. But
0: and then but then that makes this word meaningless again because everything else. is because transmedia. everything is transmedia. Because you know what. LARP is guess what a LARP. I we're kind of focusing on LARPs with this, but but that's where this this buzzword really comes in. All LARPs are transmedia because you know what they begin as books that are fiction and nonfiction, and then they're played, and then they're and talked then about, they're acted out. Yeah, it's congratulations, your LARP is
2: transmedia. Guess what? All, All LARPs LARP. are transmedia, so your buzzword's stupid LARP. unless they specifically choose not to be. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I actually respect that side of it more because, I mean, you can't run a LARP now without having, well, let me rephrase that. The sort of LARP that we generally run, you can't run without some sort of between game contact. Right. And that's Facebook, Gmail groups, something. Right. All right. What about Blockbuster? I know you hate this too.
1: <laughs> I, feel, <I'm> the, <laughs> I feel like Blockbuster LARPs can only happen during the summer.
2: Well, (laughs) to be fair, most Blockbuster LARPs do happen during the summer because that's when people can get off work to go. Well, actually, I don't know that for sure, but I do know that a lot of them run over the summer. I'm the curmudgeon. I'm supposed to... I've got baggage. Look, so
0: Blockbuster is supposed supposed to mean the game is of a higher production value. It's a higher production value experience than other games. Okay? It typically... The implication is... Uh, the location is nicer. Usually, the, at least the location the is The NPC costumes might be better. The makeup, No, just green tabards for your NPCs. The, yeah. make, the caliber of makeup might be better. Right? Or they have people who do your makeup on site. Right. But but all Blockbuster really means, in when they talk about, like, well, this is a Blockbuster game, is it really just means we're going to charge you 800% more than you pay for your monthly LARP. Uh,
2: and then you'll have a transformative experience. <laughs> okay, so, again, it's one of those things where, like, if they say Blockbuster, you kind of know what you're getting into. High production value. High cost. High cost. High ticket cost, yeah. But if you follow some of these companies that run them, it's not yeah. like they're getting rich. No, right? no. Most of not. that stuff is plowed back into the game, and they're making very modest profits. So it's not like somebody's soaking you for a $300 ticket. It's just like going to the movies. Going to the movies is expensive, but it costs a lot to make a movie. Oh, going to a movie does cost does cost three hundred dollars. To be <laughs> fair, it it feels like it. Well, think about it. Going to a movie costs a hundred bucks for a family of four because you are going to get something to eat. Right. You are going to go buy three or you are going to buy four tickets. Right. You are going to get popcorn and cokes. By the evening, you are out a hundred bucks. Three hundred for a whole weekend. Compared to that, it's not bad. Sure. I my my trouble with blo- the idea of blockbuster as
0: as a buzzword is that. There is no clearly defined um, idea of when, when does something stop being regular and become
2: blockbuster? When it costs $300. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you can say if the production value is high, that's the difference. And that's as subjective as what's the high production value in a movie versus one with a low production value.
1: I always kind of thought that uh, the the buzzword blockbuster meant it felt like you were in a movie. Right. There's something like, to this, yeah, like you know, in Mishi the, the, the Harry Potter, Potter one. Lore? That's not Harry Potter. Huh? Yeah, Mag,
2: Mag, that's not. magic. school no, New World School. Um, yes. Which,
1: oh, like I would love to go do. i
2: talked talked cool. to some of those people. And they're super cool. The yeah. ones that it. Yeah.
1: and um, you know, like it's it's about feeling like you're in the Harry Potter movies right. or, or the magical not Harry Potter movies. Um, to be fair, everybody I
2: know that's attended has been like, that was a transformative experience. Right,
1: yeah, <laughs> right. And, they and have so loved the, it.
2: The
0: The weird thing is, you, like, uh, it's, it's interesting that you would actually specifically say, to me, when you say it's a blockbuster experience, it tells you that it's going to be like you were in a movie. And it's interesting that you would say that because a movie doesn't become a blockbuster because of how much money they put into the production. A movie becomes a blockbuster because it sells
2: all the tickets.
0: But and, and it's interesting that it's kind of the opposite As word. a technical
2: term, you're correct. But we also know that there's a such thing as the summer blockbusters.
1: Yeah, they just, we call
2: them blockbusters before they've ever sold a single ticket. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And they can
2: be a Transformers movie. Alright, what about inclusive? I think inclusive can come back to what we were saying before about uh, being accessible. Accessible. I mean, inclusive is the idea is that all diversity of all kinds
0: are welcome. Yes. Whether that's uh, diver- diversity and safety for people of color or uh, LGBTQ or or you know people of all ages or, or anything. Right. Shouldn't we all just be good people? We
2: should be. So do we need to say? This is an inclusive LARP? Unfortunately, we do, because go out there and look at a lot of the LARPs. So many of them use words and use uh, makeups and or explore concepts that are not inclusive. For example, um, and I'm on LARP Haven, of course, like almost everybody LARPs these days, except those who avoid it. And there's about once a week there's a discussion about, is it okay for drow to have the color black on their face? Now, when I first heard that, I thought, well, that's stupid. Everybody knows there's a difference between a drow and blackface. But then a lot of people of color were like, no, this keeps me from coming to your game because that is too close. Right. And because it brings that up and makes you think about it, I'm like I don't get to decide because it doesn't bother me it bothers them and if it bothers them then that's enough. And I think part of being inclusive is learning things about other cultures and talking to people who are in other cultures from your own to learn what is actually a problem. Yes, we should all be good people, but too many people aren't. Or they just don't see that it's a big deal.
1: That, I think, is the bigger thing, is people are like, but I just, I want to dress up as a drow. I'm right. not making fun of anybody. Yeah, not, I, I don't see anything wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, you know. But it's it's part of being inclusive, inclusive good is... good enough
0: for Chang on Community? Oh, yeah, that. yeah.
1: When they played D&D. Yeah.
2: So, the to me, inclusion is not just being nice to people. It's making that extra effort being to make aware. sure...
1: Yeah, to be more aware. Um uh, I had, um, when I started up, I started up a mush a few years ago set in World War II. Yeah. And when we advertised it, people on the mush communities lost their mind and were like, how dare you set, like, how dare you set this game then? And we were all like, well, what's, what's the, big the deal?
0: problem? It's history. And
1: it's history. And they were like, yes, but, you know, people were treated terribly in that time. How are you gonna make sure that no one's gonna, you know, like people aren't gonna be sexist to your female characters? And I was like, because my players are all good people? You know, and it was very eye opening the amount of people that did. I mean, obviously, uh, that game is still going and I still run it. Um, and I've not had any problems, but that's because when players app characters, if they app someone who's a complete jerk, I go, look, that's not going to fly. Right. You know, like, I've got NPCs who are jerks. But they're different. But that's different because the players can then rally against the NPC jerks. You know, like, I'm not looking to have a completely historically accurate game because there is that's not fun, you know, And, and also it's going to upset people and it's not inclusive.
2: There's a Western that's struggling with this right now. Uh, it's a blockbuster, and it's... <laughs> I forget who it's, the company is putting it on. It might be the same people who do, uh, not New World Magiskola, but the sister game, uh, College of Wizardry. Yes. Um, and it like the first time I read it, I thought, oh, this sounds fun. You know, Let's go play Cowboys. But then a lot of people said, hey, if we're going to play Cowboys, there's a bunch of things you yeah. need to think about, like... How are you going to deal with natives? Like, what does your game do with that? And what does your game do with the fact that most cowboys at that time period were were largely black people who had left the South so that they could get jobs? And how do you deal with the fact that women were treated worse? And how do you deal with all this Mm -hmm. stuff? Because when you pick a setting, you need to make these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things they did was they're like, oh, no, we're just going to hand wave all that. No one's going to be like that. And that's a simple solution, but a lot of people said, that's not inclusive. You've just decided to ignore something that's a major part of a historical Wild West setting.
1: You're not going to be able to make everybody happy. That's a true statement. You're
2: not going to be able to make everybody happy, and it's not easy. And that was part of the problem is that they seemed to think it was simple. Well, we'll just ignore all that. Yeah. Well, you know, if you've got a person of, say, Mexican descent who doesn't want to go out there and see people wearing cartoon sombreros, you need to make sure that's not going to happen. And you need to make sure people know that that sort of thing's not acceptable. Right.
1: Or. It's just you, someone, you shouldn't do it, even oh, if
2: they're not going to be there. Right.
1: But, I mean, or sometimes people like to role play stuff out to get past things like that. Sure. Like, you know, how dare you wear that hat?
2: But it has to be something they can opt it, out of. All right. What about Nordic? So
0: you talk about Nordic LARPs, because Nordic LARPs are... Typically, you define a Nordic LARP It's a European style of LARPing that focuses on immersion, collaboration, and artistic vision. Um, so I guess what we're
2: saying is that other LARPs suck. <laughs> I saw a great talk, and I want to bel- say that it was at the first Living Games Conference. Right. And essentially, they got... A person from each of like the major divisions of LARP, like they had a, a big boffer LARP guy there. They had uh, a woman who'd been running uh, pearl LARPs for years. They had an American uh, freeform LARPer, and they had a Nordic LARPer who had been part of the community forever. And he got up and basically apologized. He said, "Yes, we did a bunch of cool, groundbreaking things for a while, but also we were sort of jerks to everybody about it, right? <laughs> and said that our way was better." And he says, "At this moment." we're kind of reintegrating some of these lessons that we ignored for years right? I thought that was amazing because and, was, and the unfortunate thing is we're seeing Americans scrambling for
0: pieces of Nordic larping the pieces they think are cool like bleed bleed is bleed is great and bleed is cool but bleed needs to come also with safety right and and we're Americans are clamoring for the bleed, but they don't understand the workshopping that goes on to ensure safety at Nordic. Larps.
2: Well, I think we're getting there. Uh, end of the line, which was run at least twice that I know of. You had to attend like a four-hour workshop to play in. I want to say a four-hour game. Right. So here's here's my my trouble with Nord
0: with Nordic as a buzzword. Okay, it's that. Um, I think that what we use the term for is wrong. Okay, so Nordic LARPs are, by definition, a European LARP that focuses on immersion, calibration, and artistic vision. Well, don't all
2: LARPs? What makes what they're doing different is that, let's not kid ourselves, most vampire LARPs we go to are not particularly immersive. I mean, for every... If ninety percent of the people are there in these cool costumes, there's still you know, there's a guy who can't who cannot afford even
1: a, a trench a coat. suit
2: or a trench coat or something. And so he's there in his cutoffs. The item the item card that says fine Armani suit. Yeah. We've and, all played with that guy. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes it drives me crazy and sometimes I'm like, Hey, this guy, he's, he's on trying. food stamps, he's doing his best. You right. know, yeah. I can't I can't make decisions for his it's, life. Im- it's, but uh, in Nordic LARP they wouldn't let him in the dark non all LARP can be accessible to people that don't have the money to go. Right. I mean, I I hate that, and I wish there was a way to
0: fix it. Most Nordic LARPs are blockbusters. So if you can't afford the the suit, you can't afford the LARP. Okay, what about calibration?
2: I think this is a cool idea that's going to take a little while to really get worked in the United States. All right, so what's calibration? Uh, That's a set of techniques to make people more comfortable in a scene. It, It lets them raise or lower the intensity of their experience or opt out of a scene that's not appropriate for them. It's kind of a big thing in tabletop right now. Really? Because I, I haven't been involved that much in they tabletop. They don't call it
0: calibration, but there are tool, there are calibration tools because, again, calibration is just the LARP word that they sure. made up for it. Um, but the idea, but uh, the the tap out, or the X card; um, those are are very common. In How do they work, tabletop? Well, like the X card, for example, a lot of a lot of tabletop conventions will just have the X card on the table, and all it is is it's like an index card that sits in the middle of the table, and it's got a big X on it. And what happens is, as you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, if you know suddenly somebody in the party says, "Let's go rape those villagers," <sighs> right? That makes, the X. you just reach up and you you sit your finger on the X card and that tells the storyteller that you that they have crossed into an area that that player is not comfortable with and it's the idea is it's quiet it's silent it's not disruptive and uh, and that is supposed to make it less embarrassing so to speak because for whatever reason, yeah, one of the problems with safety is that—it's an unfortunate problem with safety, but one of the problems with safety is you don't want to be the one person in the group to raise your hand and say, I'm uncomfortable with this. No, no the one Peer does. pressure is a real thing. Yes. So, um, and so— See, I
1: would think that there would be just as much peer pressure because they're going to see you touching the X. Well, at least you don't have to but speak. nobody Maybe. wants to be the first X-toucher. I, it's I, easy yeah. to be the
2: second, third, fourth, and fifth X-toucher. Yeah. I think this is a big part of what— from, from what I've read, this is part of what happens in these Nordic LARP uh, workshops and you know some American immersive LARPs too. They say, okay, let's practice doing this. And if you do something a bunch of times, it's no longer weird. Mm. You now have an alibi to touch the card nah. because everybody does it. And so if you practice saying, a okay, or I'm not okay a bunch of times. Right,
0: the okay check-in is a LARP thing. Yes. 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 Then suddenly, it's different. Right. The weird thing about this one is the idea that We need them at all. Why would I ever play in a game where I couldn't say, I'd rather not do this? I talk in my book about the unpermissibles. Like, I would never run rape in my game. In any game. I just, I just would never, it would never come up. So no one has to be, uh, feel unsafe or triggered by rape. But you don't know what everybody's thing is.
2: Right. So can't we all just. So
1: I once, (laughs) I once ran a game.
2: Uh oh long time ago. Is this one in which we probably needed calibration? Because you stepped all over people's
1: lines? Yeah, I did. And because I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I ran a game where there was an evil cat lady. The players came and they dealt with the evil cat lady. Right. So the evil cat lady is dead. And then they looked around and there were 50 some cats in this house. So now they have to decide what to do with them. And they had to decide what to do with them. And I, as a storyteller, and I was a younger storyteller... Wow, cool decisions. This is moral dilemma. Moral dilemma. Bleed. You know, and all that. And the players decided, because I also made the cats all sickly, because she was an evil cat lady, so she wasn't taking care of them. So like they were all dying. The players as the group decided that it was it was the most humane thing to do was to put the cats down. Okay. Because they were all sick and dying. Sure. Like they they could not heal all fifty cats. The most humane thing to do is put them down. We're going to put put them them all down. They put them down, and then I had a player hyperventilate and leave the room. And I went. And he, it's important. And he agreed. Was part of the the decision. His character had afterwards bleed. Right. And, but the bleed hit him so hard, and I didn't. And I'm sorry, I run out, and I'm like, "What is the matter?" This
0: is before bleed was a word, right? right. But and it's I, obviously what's going right. on, right? It
1: was obviously, and I said, "What is wrong?" And he was like, "When I was younger," and he went in this whole detail about something he did caused his pet cat to die, oh, and here he was doing it again, and he was having to, do, yeah. And I was mortified as a storyteller. Because you know, I never wanted to cause my my player to be upset. Characters, yes, I relish character tears. Sure, I don't relish player tears at all.
2: It's tricky. Uh, I played in a game several years ago. It was a Guru game, like I'm sure that one was. Uh, and because Guru always deals with things, it tends to deal with things that are very on the edge. Yeah. And uh, there was two particular stories that upset some of the people the game. One of, and this was not my game. It was a different one. And it, what. Was weird is that it, they didn't bother me because I didn't get it mm. that it would bother these other people. Uh, one of them was in which a uh, several kids that were kinfolk were being targeted, mm. and, and, and several of them died. And uh, we had just experienced a miscarriage, me and my wife. And for me, I was just like, well, this is game. Nothing. Doesn't bother me. But for her, Marty, it was extremely upsetting because... I just had a miscarriage and here is a bunch of dead kids and I can't save them. And it made me feel the same way again. Like I couldn't save my child and I couldn't save these NPCs either. I don't want to have, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to feel that. Not at least without choosing to do it and knowing that's what I'm getting into. Yes. Let's Um, talk about somebody else you've made upset.
1: uh, No, 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 no. This is just (laughs) a neat thing that... uh, It's tricky, isn't um, it?
2: You want to upset people because that gives them a moment.
1: Right. But but you don't want to push it too far. They all want bleed. Yeah, the term isn't in mush, sure. but I've played in several different games where when you make your character, you can actually list the things that you want to be involved in and don't want to be involved in. That's
2: that's getting to be a big thing now. Uh, I was listening to a different podcast, the LARPcast, and the guy was talking about how that he was going to run this big one-day event. Don't promote other podcasts on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, he was talking about how that... Well, I'm not going to be able to read 150 backstories from a one-off event that's part of this other organization, Mm -hmm. but what I can do is have you send me a list of things you like and don't like, and that way I can kind of... Oh, we're going to be doing this plot line. That person would like that, so I'm going to make sure Paramus. they get to go to that. And like this person really likes combat, and there's a combat plot line over there. So I'm going to make sure that whoever comes into town to hook that plot line, they'll look for those people.
1: I've also heard of most more like more like a boffer larps who do yeah, things that was like LARP. With, like with ribbons. Like if you're wearing a red ribbon, that means you want to be in combat. Ooh, oh, that's clever! I like means that.
0: You support Alzheimer's? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you her- support it. <laughs> That <laughs> seems Pop- like a weird I'm fact. You're playing to lose. I'm
0: playing to
1: lose. So bad. Not not that way. Yeah.
2: So uh, the next one, we're
0: gonna we've got two more, we're gonna go a little bit faster because we're just about out of time, but uh, immersion, this is or or sometimes it'll be full immersion or immersive. Uh, but the buzzword basically it's the concept that game so all-encompassing that you can forget that you're playing a game. Um It encourages bleed, it feels more real, and it helps people stay in character, but it can also make them feel uncomfortable because it can, you know, immersion creates You feel like you're there. And bleed is not always good. Um, My trouble with, I always have troubles, my trouble with immersion is that it's how it interacts with all these other buzzwords because it's like this vicious circle where they can't all exist at once, but where we demand them all to exist at
2: once. Like you feel like that you can't have full immersion and also all those good calibration techniques. Not because each one of those, in some ways, breaks immersion. Yes. Yeah. And and and
0: more than that, like y- if you play to lose, then bleed is supposed to make you feel like you've lost. Well, most calibration can sometimes loss can sometimes draw bleed into the areas of things that you don't want to experience. I, I feel like they all kind of come into contact with one another in ways that are um, not always conducive to functioning
2: together as a whole. Well, that's the reason why a lot of the LARP calibration techniques are designed to be as... Uh, uh, to break immersion as little as possible. And so you should be able to say, hey, I am okay, or I'm not okay... And just, it's smooth, you keep going, you acknowledge it, and you, and that's part of the reason why you have those workshops. Uh, I think most people don't really want what we would call 100% immersion. I think they want something closer to 75%. Because you want to keep enough of yourself back that you can positive metagame to make things better for yourself and others, and uh, use your calibration techniques to make sure that people feel safe. For example, at uh, New Word Magiscola, I was reading this great technique that they do where Say you're bored, which happens all too often the life. I'm bored. Yes. What do you do? You uh, go bug the storyteller, maybe, if you're that kind of person. Or you stir up trouble, maybe, if you're that kind of person. Or maybe you just sit there because you don't know what to do. Or if you're a passive-aggressive player, you hang out near the ST desk
0: and you just loudly say things like, uh, I'm bored. Man, I wish we had something to do. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) So what they do is you walk up to a person at this separate part of the castle whose job it is. To make sure you get to have an experience. And you say, hey, uh, I'd like to do X. Like, I want to have a fight with my mom. And they'll say, well, I've got somebody available in an hour. Meet them at this stairwell. And so you go do that. That's not immersive. But the experience that you have when you go have the fight with your mom is. Right. So it's not full immersion. That's probably not desirable. You know what it is? it is collaborative storytelling it is collaborative storytelling is next that number is that number
0: next that's number next okay so collaborative storytelling interestingly enough collaborative storytelling is really big in tabletop Right now as well. Well, you're including elements of that into Gunbook, right? I am,
2: <laughs> much to my chagrin. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, what weird. do they call you, grobnars? Uh, we should be playing <laughs> D&D, where I roll a die, and I either succeed or lose, and I look at a very detailed chart. No, you know what? It's, I want that! Oh, <laughs> not the,
0: it isn't the chart part. Okay, here's the thing is, I'm very old school gamer, in the sense that um, when I grew up with gaming... The storyteller, or the dungeon master, or the, you know the ST, the DM, whatever you want to call him, the GM, the game master, they are in the charge. Director. They are the director. Mm-hmm. I, the story. They are the storyteller. Yes. And the players experience what what he is telling, and they influence it. Their decisions change things and influence things and stuff. But like I'm old school in the sense that like the character, the players are playing characters, and the storyteller's playing the universe. Mm-hmm. And collaborative storytelling is this idea where players are crafting as much or more of the story than than the, the storyteller is. Decisions are made by the group as a whole, and the whole, you know, and for me, um, that takes away the part that I enjoy about storytelling, which is telling the story I have crafted. Well, in
2: Typing Mush, that's huge, right? Yes. Collaborative
1: Yes, that, that is where I do most of my collaborative storytelling, and mm. I, I love doing it on Lush. So what
2: makes that different than, than Ryan's experience, do you think? Or do you think he's just wrong?
1: No, no, I don't think he's wrong. I think, for me, the big important thing is just knowing when you go into a game what kind of game it is. Well, that's true it,
2: of everything, though, isn't r- it? Well,
1: but, but I'm saying, like, if I know it's a collaborative storytelling you know, system, you then I'm good with it. You know, if I if I show up at a LARP and they said, this is just, this is not collaborative, I'm fine with that then. I think the problem comes when you are playing one game and the other people are playing the other game. I think that's like really the, the heart of what your problem is, is if we went to a, Ryan, if we went to a LARP and they said, this is collaborative, I think you'd be fine with it.
2: Or he would know that I'm not going to enjoy it, so I'm not going to go. right.
1: But the problem is when we show up, when people show up to our game and they try to collaborative storytell. And that's not what you're running. And that's not what you're running. And so it makes the storytellers who are not doing that type of storytelling having to fight their players. Now, I do,
0: I should point out, I do believe in collaboration with your players. Like, I do think, okay, I'm running a a D&D game and one of my, and I think that it's perfectly cool for a player to be like, hey, you know what? i I really want you know my elf to to start learning about his, uh, his what his dad his mysterious dad. So then you know. start including and, elements and then of then his I start, mysterious dad, and then I can start telling that story as part of the story that I'm telling. <laughs> I, I think that people exist on different levels of uh, creativeness, right? And um, I am very much like forgetting gaming. Mm-hmm. I'm a storyteller I went to film school to write screenplays like sure I, I write you know short stories I, I'm a I'm a published author like I I write I tell stories I will say that the stories of yours that I've played in are always very creative and and so for me that is the part I enjoy and when it becomes collaborative storytelling and and I don't mean like hey can you work my Father, in I mean, like when it's collaborative storytelling, like like a fake like f- the fate system, right? It, you know, uh, for me at that point, I'm no longer getting to tell a story. I'm facilitating a story, and you don't want to facilitate. I don't a want story. to. Faci- I mean, I, I I have stories that I want to tell. Okay, and and you know, I hope that you enjoy experiencing them.
2: Well, you know, and, and I have in the past, me. but I can also so, see uh, why people want to be more part of the creative process. A lot of it depends on what you grew up on
0: in gaming. Because collaborative storytelling is really a very new thing as far as, like,
2: buzzwordy trendiness. Well, I mean, and I haven't played it, but the Amber system was pretty uh, collaborative. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, you but know, it was also considered groundbreaking for that reason. Right. So the weird thing about all of this is now LARP itself has become a buzzword. Yes, it Have has. Have you seen fights over... If it should be capitalized, if it should include the A. Or the periods. Should there be periods? Should we say LARP? Or should we be like live action role play? Right. People are fighting over this? Oh, like, I've I've been reading about this. In England, it's not called L-A-R-P. It's called L-R-P. Is it still pronounced LARP? Yeah, of course they do. (laughs) LARP. Well, you can't pronounce LARP. Or they say live action or something like that. I, I, I can't speak to what they say in person. I can only talk that's about what they talk. because you type. can't
0: do a British accent.
2: Well, I can't do a British accent, but also I haven't talked to them physically. I've only read about it. Bloody hell. And there was huge fights over this right. about what we actually can say. Well, we're now in an era when uh, when Disney
0: hires LARP experts to help them craft you know, the new Star Wars land experience. Yes, but that's you not know. a LARP. That's an experience, Right. Well, is it that game or an experience, yeah, or is it a even a LARP?
2: What's the difference between a LARP and a uh, improv troupe? Rules. <sighs> right, we well, need to run a, a LARP that uses all these buzzwords, and it's important that we charge three hundred dollars for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess at, at this point we're going to drop out of combat rounds.
0: Yes. And uh, go ahead and do game rounds. For those of you listening at home, you can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash on a roll podcast. If you want to tell us topic you think that we should discuss, or we would love that. That's less work. Tell us mm-hmm. that you, you, know, you don't like uh, the old man curmudgeon or that you you know, you have a favorite and it's Jason. Of course. Or that you think that Carrie is a legend. You are welcome to uh, shout out at us and let us know. Yeah. Uh I'm going to go ahead and give experience points for tonight's adventure. Uh, Jason, you don't get any. Damn Because it. you kept attacking. I online. was going to level up this week. Wait. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And uh, Carrie, you are going to get 10 XP because you're beautiful and the people at home
2: can't see you. Oh, wow. wow. So wait, they can't see you? And that's what makes you beautiful? Because that's the way you, you know, said it.
1: I did, I did say I was the fat lady singing in your. You said
2: that because, like all women, you think you're fat. And that's why <laughs> you didn't get any XP <laughs> all right. Uh,
1: so until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Carrie.
0: I'm Jason. Remember, the only way to win in a role-playing game is to have fun. Join us next week when we talk about the brand new reboot of Kindred the Embraced coming to Disney XD this fall. Thoughts and opinions that were on this podcast belong to just those folks who were on this podcast and to nobody else. All of the music was courtesy of Kevin McLeod from incompetech.com.